Hello and welcome to the podcast Where Did the Rabbit Go? In this weekly podcast, we celebrate curiosity, critical thinking, and evidence based skepticism. I'm your host, Marco, and this is show 52 for Thursday, January 21st, 2021. Hello, my dear rabbits. It's Thursday again, and you are getting another solo rant from me. I just wanted to address this really quickly. I promised more interviews, and they will come, just for these first weeks of the year. I took an additional class in my day job, which is very time-consuming right now, and it's taking all my week afternoons. It is just for this and two more weeks. And once that is done, you shall also hear other people speak on this podcast again. Yes, thank goodness. So it's a rainy and a cloudy day here in Monterey, but not nearly as cold as last week. In fact, it's quite nice in the house, quite enjoyable, with a hot cup of coffee and some chocolate cookies. Mmm. And so far, the dogs have not been barking this morning. Just once, quickly, one of the dogs at a motorcycle, that's all. And our little pet rabbit has also been quiet and peaceful. Let's hope it all stays that way while recording this show. In other news, as I'm recording this, that big nation that's neighboring us in the north, which was the main topic of last week's episode, is in the midst of the transition of governments. And as I mentioned, I don't want to get too political on this show, but I am very hopeful that things can only get better. Let's hope that those last four years were just that last huge setback before things really improve. It's going to take a lot of time and effort, and many problems in this society might prevail. But with education, and finally a government that seems to appreciate science, we will hopefully see some changes for the good in the next years. Today, I'm digging a personal rabbit hole. As you might know by now, I'm originally from Germany, but I have been living in Mexico for 14 years now. In fact, this week is my anniversary here in Mexico. So I thought I'd share some stories. What have been the big challenges, the ups and downs about moving to such a different country. And after the main segment, today we are bringing back the five fascinating factoids. This time we're looking at our red neighboring planet, Mars. So lean back, close your eyes, have a nice cup of coffee, and enjoy the episode. Um, of course, unless you are driving. In that case, eyes on the road. Moving to Mexico from Germany was a very big change. These two countries are really like two different worlds. There are so many differences and I often get asked about them. Today I want to give a little overview about the most notorious differences. Let's start with the first and most obvious challenge, the language. In Mexico we speak Spanish, which is a language that is not very commonly taught in German schools. In my school, it was taught as an elective for students who wanted a third foreign language. But I was still too busy trying to survive Latin classes. And I was more interested in taking math back then, so I did not pick the Spanish elective. 
However, I did take two years of Spanish classes at my university and before moving to Mexico. So I had some basic skills and I was able to survive using the Spanish language when I got here. The first thing I noticed here in Mexico was how much people appreciated when you try to communicate with them in Spanish, even if you struggle. They love it. Unfortunately, they will also respond in Spanish at full speed, which makes it harder for you to understand. You see, Spanish is a language that is spoken very fast. I once read that in German we can produce up to six syllables per second when speaking really fast. But this number would be eight syllables for the Spanish language. Maybe because German has long vowels and Spanish doesn't. And those two more syllables per second is a lot faster. They always say that if you really want to boost your language learning, you have to be surrounded by the target language, which means to spend time in a place where the language is spoken, rather than just in the classroom. Here I am just an anecdote, of course, but I feel that this is true. It feels like during my first year, here my Spanish increased exponentially. However, learning a language is more than just knowing the words. What do I mean by that? Well, there are many expressions that you cannot simply translate literally, word by word. You have to see their meaning within context. Often those expressions are regional, part of a dialect, and completely different words or expressions might be used in another region. Just compare British English to American English or the Australian English. For example, in British English, the word boot is used for the part of the car that the Americans call trunk. And for them, a boot is a type of shoe. There are many examples like that in Spanish. There's a great variety between Spain and all the Latin American countries, even among Latin American countries. The next issue is that Mexicans have a very special sense of humor, which is often based on puns and ambiguous meanings. Usually one of those two meanings having a sexual component. This makes it even more important for me, a foreign teacher, to be well aware of both meanings, so I would not accidentally use the wrong one, which of course has happened many times. Just to mention one example of the very colorful Mexican language, they use their mothers in many expressions. Some of those expressions are not offensive at all. In some of them, mother even means a positive thing. When they say, está con madre, it's with mother, literally. What they are saying is that something's really cool and that they like it. But there are also expressions where mother has a negative meaning, and some are even offensive. When they say, estoy hasta la madre, I am up to the mother, they mean that they are sick and tired of something. And of course, I'm not going to give you the worst expressions to serve as examples here, because we do not swear on this podcast. So by trial and error, I came to the conclusion that in public, I will completely refrain from using all these expressions because they are very informal and it's not the way that students should hear their teacher speak. I think that the golden rule plays it very safe, but it's better safe than sorry. But language is, of course, not the only challenge especially not when moving across the Atlantic from one culture into a completely different one. Traveling, or even moving to another place, 
is a very humbling and eye-opening experience. Because you learn that the way that you and all the people around you have always been doing certain things is not the only way that might work. And you notice that sometimes the other way is better, while on other occasions you get to appreciate your own way. And let us take the elephant in the room when comparing Mexico and Germany, the issue of punctuality. We Germans have the reputation of being very punctual, always to be on time. Of course, there are individuals that are exceptions to the rule, but in general I must say yes. Yes, we are. When I made a personal commitment with friends to meet somewhere, let's say for dinner in someone's house at 7 o'clock, all of us were there at 7 o'clock. The first people arriving even a few minutes earlier, and um, I used to be one of those. And if some people couldn't make it by 7, they would call or text that they're going to be late, which usually means something around 15 minutes late. Not being on time is seen as something disrespectful. And I never questioned that ever until I moved to Mexico. Let's just say Mexicans have the reputation of not being very punctual. So try to invite people over to your house at 7 for a dinner or a barbecue, as is very common here. Most of your guests won't even have left their own house at 7 o'clock. Usually, most of them they will show up at your place between 8 and 9-ish. And most of them don't see the need of letting you know that they will be later, because it's kind of expected. And if you ask them, they will tell you that, well, you're in Mexico. Here, 7 means 9. Now, I'm a math teacher. I don't understand the math where 7 is 9, but okay. I learned this the hard way by trial and error. For my first birthday party here, I invited people over at 8. And at 9.30, I was still alone. Almost crying over my birthday cake, thinking that nobody liked me. But around 10 o'clock, those people would all show up. In all these years, I must say that I kind of got used to it. And for commitments with friends, I don't stress out about this anymore even if that means that I myself will be late. I know that the time that is set is not a strict commitment, but a frame of reference. I kind of appreciate that things are more relaxed in that context here in Mexico. Of course, in a job context, it's different. A class starts at the precise time, not later. And I, as a teacher, cannot be a single minute late. And what's interesting It also works the other way around the cultural shock. So when I came back to Germany for vacations after years, I noticed that I was way more relaxed and easygoing about timing and I wouldn't stress out so much on being punctual, whereas my family, especially my mother, would already stress out half an hour before we made an agreement and appointment. So, yeah. I guess you adapt to your environment. Also, of course, we have to point out that the trait of punctuality is distributed to people on a spectrum. I also know very impunctual Germans, and I know very punctual Mexicans, for sure. 
but it seems that the whole spectrum is shifted between the two countries. Speaking of being easygoing, here in Mexico, making friends is so easy, and it's also the hardest thing in the world. What do I mean by that? Well, since the first time you meet new people, you are their friend, el amigo. They almost adopt you into their family, and they start making lots of plans with you, lots of commitments. And of course, mi casa es tu casa, and they're always there for you. But a lot of this is very superficial. That's what I learned. And among those many quote-unquote friends, only a handful are really going to be those close friends where you can count on each other no matter what. By the way, honesty also is seen very differently here. Or let's say politeness. So I noticed when I was, I just had arrived recently here and I had to ask for the way on the street. And um, my notion was that if somebody doesn't know the answer, they will tell you. I'm sorry, I don't know. I can't tell you. That's what I would appreciate from Germany. That was my German mind was programmed to. But people here, they all very friendly give you an answer. Sure, take that bus over there and drive until this and that bank or traffic light, whatever. They can send you completely the wrong way, but they will be happy that they helped you because they gave you an answer. They see politeness differently. At least many people, that's my experience here. They will not tell you that they don't know. They will rather give you a wrong answer. But please, Mexican friends, correct me if I'm wrong. But after 14 years in the country, I still perceive it like that. Let's go back to the issue of communication. One thing that I have noticed a lot is that in Germany, we communicate things much more directly. And this came to my mind when chatting with a former student, a Mexican who is now living in Germany. He told me that he was surprised how the job interviews went, that they were asking directly the big questions. And after no more than 10 minutes, the interview would be done. No small talk at all. Whereas here in Mexico, those interviews can easily take 20 to 30 minutes. And there's a lot of small talk going on. And I also caught myself thinking, why would we have small talk in a job interview if we are here to find out if we should hire you, not to socialize? In general, I think that where I live now in northern Mexico, people focus a lot on the superficial. I don't know how else to say this. Take, for example, the 15 años, the 15th birthday that girls get to celebrate. Something like the Sweet 16 in the US. Those parties are huge, often with hundreds of guests in a rented place with catering service and a DJ playing live and professional photographer, a tour in a limousine and a special personal service at church. People often save their money for years to be able to throw this party, or they even take a credit and are in debt. Often those people who have less tend to celebrate bigger and take those credits. It's just as big as a wedding party. On the other hand, if the same girl celebrated her birthday in Germany, she'd probably get permission from her parents to invite her 10 closest friends over for cake and dinner, and that's it. 
I can see the appeal in both now. So the Mexican way is a lot more colorful and a lot more joyful. And the 15th birthday is just one example of many. They sure know how to party here. And they are great customs. So I love the parties for September 16th, our Independence Day. I love Dia de Muertos, Day of the Dead, when they place an altar in honor of some dead people. It's a beautiful custom. I love them. But sometimes people just go beyond their own limits, especially about the financial limits. And right now, in times of the pandemic, this has been an issue because a portion of the population is not willing to give up these parties temporarily for the greater good. And in Germany, I can't see the appeal because it's much more pragmatic, right? We're focusing on other things. Another thing that I want to address is the different relationship with faith. It's no secret that Mexico is a highly religious country. I think over 90% of the population are Christian or some version of it. And it is very important to them. For many people, going to the church on the weekends is an essential part of their weekly routine. Also, there is a great belief in the Virgin Mary, which looks different here in Mexico. They have their own version, like they, uh, they call it Virgencita. In Germany, of course, there are also many people of faith, but the percentage is much lower. It is not as present in everyday language and situations. In Germany, it's more like those who believe it's part of their lifestyle, but it's kept privately. Even the president here in Mexico, back in March, when asked how he would react to COVID, he really said that he does not need any masks or social distancing or a vaccine because he would be protected by the Virgencita. And he even pulled out a little artifact out of his pocket. All of this live on TV for millions to watch. This all goes hand in hand with the notion that here in Mexico there are so many superstitions, which are like part of the common wisdom. Just one popular example is the idea that by saying something out loud that you are jinxing it. And together with all of this, as we can now see with the response to COVID, here in Mexico there's a huge disbelief in science, often even denial. Maybe this is because they also have been let down so many times by corrupt governments. However, every time there is an election, there is almost this childish and naive belief that the coming government is going to be much better and will save everyone. It seems like there is a lot of sincere belief in magic here. Another difference between the two places I want to briefly mention is, of course, the climate. I now live in a city with a savanna-type climate, long hot summers and short mild winters, with a few cold fronts that really bring temperatures down. In Germany it's the other way around, and you can see this in the houses in the installations. German houses are well isolated and equipped with heating to deal with the cold. And in summer when it gets really hot, people have to deal with it. It's for those few occasions of the year. And Mexican houses usually have fans and air conditioning, but no heating, and we have to deal with a few cold days, like I was telling you just last week. This also has an impact on the lifestyles. Here in Mexico, there is much more life on the streets, many more outdoor activities. A lot of things like barbecues happen more in public. In Germany, yet again, 
it's all more private. Most of the events happen indoors. Probably another reason why the response to the pandemic here in Mexico has been so difficult. But it's not just like the celebrating out in public or just having a barbecue out on the street. As I mentioned before, what I like also is the sense of community here in Mexico. Um, we always invite people over, we share, we always have extra food that we then bring to the neighbors here. We we made this chicken this week and or we have a cake. This is a piece of the birthday cake. As I said, they always celebrate huge. They know how to celebrate and uh, everybody gets included. And uh, in Germany, it's more like a private thing. When, when you celebrate in Germany, it's a thing for you and your family and uh, no one else gets involved. One last thing that I want to bring up here. I often get told that my Spanish is quite good. And I think if you're surrounded by the language and making an effort... That is almost guaranteed it's going to happen. However, there's this thing called brain fatigue. Although it seems that I'm speaking Spanish effortless, it is not really the case. It is more work than speaking and thinking in your native language. And after many hours of doing so, it can be draining. Being able to let your guard down just for a while, and in my case speak German with other native German speakers, is a true relief there. On several occasions, I have heard that people think I'm just making an excuse. But believe me, speaking and thinking and reading in a foreign language is an extra effort. And over longer periods of time, it can be exhausting. It is definitely not an excuse. And when I ask for something to be repeated because I didn't fully catch it, please don't think it's a cheap excuse. I really need it to be repeated. Living in a different culture definitely widens your horizon. You learn to do many things in other ways. And you learn to appreciate things in both your old and your new environment. I went all in and completely moved. But you don't have to go that far. Just keep your eyes and minds open when you are traveling. That being, of course, when travel restrictions can finally be lifted again. Or just go for a month or a semester abroad in an exchange program. It clearly opens your eyes. Rabbits, that's it for the main segment. Let's conclude the show with five fascinating factoids. Today I want to briefly talk about Mars. On February 18th, the Perseverance rover will land on Mars. And I have decided to do a sequence about that with my students, taking advantage of the tons of educational material that NASA has released in this context. So here we go. Number one. The sequence of entry, descent and landing, short EDL, is commonly known as the seven minutes of terror for Mars. That's how long this whole sequence takes there. But due to the distance between our planets, any radio signals that we send or receive will take 11 minutes on its way. That means that the whole landing sequence must be fully automated. When we start seeing the live stream, the whole event will have already passed. We are watching something that will have happened 11 minutes ago. But there's no way of knowing. We just have to wait and hope for the best. Number two, the landing sequence needs to have multiple stages. 
The atmosphere on Mars is not dense enough to efficiently slow down a vehicle just with a parachute. A parachute is still one stage of the sequence, but terminal velocity is still too high to land anything safely. So once terminal velocity with the parachute is reached, another stage has to follow, which in this case will be a drone-like transport vehicle, to safely land the rover on the planet, using thrusters to slow down. Number three, we can only send spacecraft between Earth and Mars efficiently about every two years. That's when the planets are closest to each other. If you miss that window, you will have to wait for another two years. That's also why any return mission with astronauts would take three years. A little over half a year to get there, and a little over half a year of returning, and the two years of waiting. Number four. Mars is home to the tallest mountain in the solar system. Olympus Mons is more than three times higher than Mount Everest. It is so high that its peak reaches out of the Martian atmosphere. It has a volcanic structure, so the common hypothesis is that it must have been active during the earlier stages of the planet. And number five, pieces of Mars have fallen to Earth. Scientists have found tiny traces of Martian atmosphere within meteorites, which supposedly were violently ejected from Mars and then orbiting the solar system for millions of years probably before crash landing on the Earth. This allowed scientists to begin studying Mars prior to even launching space missions. And by the way, using the same process, there are also pieces of Earth that should have arrived on Mars. What a fascinating planet Mars is. I am very much looking forward to the landing of the Perseverance rover on February 18th. Let's hope everything goes well during the 7 minutes of terror. I will of course watch the NASA livestream because it is right after school that day. We definitely live in very interesting times. Dear Rabbits, this is all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for taking your time and listening. If you like the show and you want to support me, there are very easy and painless ways, which are all for free. Rate and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcatching platform. Share it with your friends on your social media. And follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. You can find all the links in the show notes. Every little bit helps. Stay safe and stay curious. Until next Thursday, I'm Marco and this has been Where Did the Rabbit Go?